Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Carrington, and you're listening to Call Talk for August 13th, 2013. Today's topic is exciting, and it is provide strategic organizational value by transitioning your center from a service to a sales culture. And if you're listening live, I'd like to invite you to be a part of the show and ask a question. It's real easy. Here's how you can do it. You can either email me at brian at benchmarkportal.com. That's spelled out B-R-I-A-N at benchmarkportal.com. Or if you're listening on the phone or just close to one, you can call in and talk online. To do that, you'd want to dial in at 347-857-3117. Grab a pen. I'm going to give it to you again. 347-857-3117. Make sure to press the number 1 on your phone to let me know that you will have a question and I'll get you in. Also want to remind you that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at any time of your choosing at BenchmarkPortal.com. So let's go ahead and kick the show off as I introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Today's topic is a hot one in our industry, strategic value that you can find for your organization by transitioning your center from a service to a sales culture. And during today's session, we'll discuss how to develop a strategic roadmap, design strategies that will excite your organization for change and growth, and we'll discuss the importance of measuring results for success. I'll be anchoring today's show with my valued colleague, Dee Buell, who is also the content manager for Call Talk. How are you doing today, Dee? Good. Thank you, Bruce. This will be okay. a great show. Yes. Yeah, no, it's great to have you with us. And uh, we brought in an expert on the topic for everyone, it's, who's Russell Rossi. He's the Corporate Vice President of Customer Experience and Strategic Planning for New York Life Tampa Operations. Russell's responsibilities include all customer touch points and technology of the customer experience program, which includes the internal quality teams, learning and development team, after-call survey, speech analytics, voice of the customer, and voice of the agent programs. Additional responsibilities that Russ covers includes oversight for all strategic planning and project management for key member services technologies and enhancements. So Russ really has a, a 600, 300, not a 600, a 360-degree view of, of these important issues. He also has over 25 years of management experiences in a wide range of industries with core competencies in strategic and tactical business planning, project management, quality and process engineering, revenue generation, customer service and satisfaction retention, and business growth development. Russ holds a BS degree in business and marketing. In addition, I should mention that New York Life has enjoyed an 11-year relationship with Benchmark Portal and recently achieved their 10th consecutive distinction as a Center of Excellence awardee. So it's my pleasure to welcome Russ Rossi. How are you doing, Russ? I'm doing fine, Bruce. How are you doing today? Doing great, doing great. I, I almost had you there with a 600-degree uh, view of things, which... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was curious to see how you were going to explain that one, because that's something new I had never heard before. <laughs> well, 360 degrees, I think, is, is still pretty good, still pretty yeah, good. Yeah, very good. But, uh, yeah, I was just trying to sort of more than, almost double it for you. <laughs> anyway, well, re really glad to have you here to discuss this uh, this exciting topic. And uh, I don't know, maybe we could just start by explaining what you mean by providing strategic value to an organization. 
Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so, you know, uh, for years in our in our contact center here, we primarily serviced our client base, which means when they would call in for a service inquiry or a question, we would, you know, obviously politely and and, and first call resolution handle that service need, um, and then we ended our interaction, and we did that very well for for many many years. But over the past four years, we uh, implemented a new process where we started to upsell customers and primarily to ensure that our customers had the proper coverage for their needs. So simply put, we went from handling just their service needs to ensuring that their needs were fully being met, and if not, we made sure that we pointed them in the right direction for the appropriate coverage. Hmm. Yeah, okay, and so therefore, uh, that in turn will bring in more business to the company, so you'll have uh, strategic value realized in that it will actually add value to the company while also adding value to the customer and making them appreciate the fact that you have a, a greater sense of what their need is. Would that be absolutely. a true statement? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's really mirroring the the sales aspect, but at the end of the day, we're knowing that we're, we're selling them something that they really need, and, and many times in our environment, our customer base is underinsured, and we believe to write the right type of customer experience approach is to make sure we're matching up their needs to what the policies or, or products that they've purchased, and if there's a gap, I think it's our job to help close that gap so they fully understand what they have and that they have enough coverage for their final needs. Okay, and I, you know, I think that brings together all of the real components that strategic means in that you uh, understand your market really well, what their needs are, uh, your company's capabilities. How do you bring all of those capabilities to bear for the customer so that you can actually impre increase revenues and profits for your company? And when all those things come together, it's not just a tactical thing. It really is strategic because it's going to end up in a stronger company and a stronger relationship with your customers, right? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we started this process many, uh, like I said, a handful of years ago, and it was just a pilot to test to see if this process would work and if we really could drive incremental revenue. And um, it's been amazing what we've been able to accomplish over the last four years. And we went from this being a, a pilot um, you know, stick our toe in the water to see if uh, it works. To now, it represents a pretty significant significant revenue stream for our organization that's driven right from the contact center. So it helps, you know, helps the contact center move from being a cost center to really being more of a, of a profit line center. And I think that help, I know it really does provide that additional strategic value to the organization. Mm, okay, so uh, for our listeners, you know, this is really key stuff because uh, all of us are being asked to be. Uh, in some way, uh, ambassadors and salespeople for our company so that we can find new revenue sources, particularly in these economic times. Well, let me ask you this, Russ. When you were earning your degree back in college, did you ever think you'd be delivering this type of topic at a show like this? Oh, man, there was no way. Um, you know, I, I go back in my college days, and like many people, I changed my degree a few times as I was searching for what I wanted to do when I grew up. And finally settled on a marketing degree. Um, my first position outside of college was actually working in a customer service uh, department for a travel company, and part of my job was handling and talking to customers every day. The other part was um, trying to balance the company's uh, checkbooks as well. And I can tell you, for four years in college, I could never balance my checkbook to, to save my life. But uh, here I was, you know, balancing thousands and thousands of transactions on a monthly basis, and it was eye-opening. But part of that experience was when I was dealing with customers every day, I really, really realized that I loved doing that part of the job and 
that interaction was, I guess, key to my growth. And here's where I wanted to now move my career, which is definitely different from my college days. But I love that part of the business. And, um, you know, I really, even from those early days, even started to learn the importance of, you know, what sales means in a service environment. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, that, that's good that you were doing that in between beer and pretzels and pizza. That, <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Russ, you know, you mentioned that you mentioned that you were actually involved in the calls and, and, and talking to customers and all that. You know, um, most of the time in a call center, the front line on the phone actually know the product probably better than anybody. So how did you come to focus on understanding the importance of sales in a contact center in that environment? Sure. Uh, well, I think you know I maybe touched on it a little bit earlier, um, but in our environment, obviously we, we sell insurance and, and the primary life insurance. And the primary reason for life insurance is you have some final needs that um, that need to be met. And and quite often um, our customers may have a, an amount in mind that they think would be enough, but sometimes they don't realize that is it really truly will be enough when I do pass on, whether it be 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, and the way that expenses for everything um, always seem to increase year over year, or do I really have enough at that point in time in my life when, I, when it's required for my beneficiaries? And uh, sometimes our members would like to be able to leave something behind for beneficiaries as well, as well as their further final needs. And sometimes those those needs can change over the years. They may buy a life insurance policy today, but next year they may have some different reasons as to why they would want that policy. And so we just try to recognize and, and try to engage with our members and ask them, um, you know, just to kind of re, um, reaffirm what their needs are for their life insurance policy to make sure that what they have is, is accurate. Um, and that's really the core fundamental difference. Even though we say that we've moved from a service to a sales environment, we really like bringing it back home to it's really doing the right customer experience approach because at the end of the day, they bought that policy for a certain reason, and our job is to make sure that it will adequately fulfill their needs. And like I said, sometimes you know people's uh, needs change over the years. Absolutely. Well, have you identified some best practices in transitioning a contact center from a service to a sales culture? Yeah, we absolutely have. Um, you know, I think we did a lot of research before we, um, as I said, stuck our toe in the water on this, but obviously we learned some things along the way. But I think, you know, it ultimately has to start with your, your selection or hiring of the right type of agent for this type of uh, position. Um, obviously, you know, certain uh, customer service agents are, they feel they're in the mode of, I'm a customer service agent, I'm not a salesperson. Um, which is why I keep going back to you know this core fundamental belief that this is a customer experience um, um, attribute that is important for us. But uh, but we also recognize that you know a salesperson is kind of wired a little bit differently. So we had to make sure that we were actually trying to get the right people to have the right wiring for this type of job. Um, so selection and hiring was was critical. Um, we then had to bring in some. Um, um, outside training from a sales uh, sales training because we didn't have that core competency in the past. We were a service organization. So we brought in um, a sales training program that we um, developed into our, our training for this uh, group. We also then needed to make sure that we had the ongoing coaching that was in, in place that would reinforce what we trained. So we had to you know, make sure it was incorporated into our quality monitoring program. So our quality monitoring forms needed to be created around the sales concepts. We had to make sure that we had a quality team members that were fully engaged and understood the quality process so they could in turn um, assist the operations team in coaching um, these employees on these new strategies. 
And I think the last core competency was ensure that we had some type of reporting on the back end so we can um, analyze our overall performance from a very high level, what, what, how many sales were we actually generating, all the way down to agent-level metrics to ensure that the agents were following through on, on the behaviors and, um, and we, so we can have a way to, to manage their performance as well. So I think those were probably the, the handful of um, core competencies and best practices for us. Right, right. You know, the uh, the whole sort of agent empathy issue comes in. I mean, it's something that we've heard a lot about over time, uh, the importance of having uh, empathy for the situation of the caller and, you know, how a good uh, uh, service uh, agent can, in fact, uh, tie into the uh, the mindset and the, the, the sensibilities of the person who's calling and, and have that empathy. And actually, if you can, uh, you know, make that uh, sort of a seamless quality of the agent from the service component to the sales component, I think that's really one of the important things that can happen here. It has something to do with uh, intuition. So, Russ, when you were talking about being able to pick the right kind of person, um, you know, I think that that, uh, somehow being able to select for that and coach for that can be very important. Uh, you know, we, we've seen from studies done in the past that uh, the, the service mindset and the sales mindset are, are, are quite different. But if you can take somebody with a, basically a service mindset and convince them uh, that, in fact, it's in the interests of the caller to have additional opportunities and additional, uh, you know, uh, product opportunities, if you will, brought to their attention, then they'll accept the fact that, yes, sales, in fact, is a good thing and it's not a bad thing, right? Have you found something similar in your experience? Well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've uh, definitely been able to obtain customer satisfaction data, and it's proven that when a customer buys a service or product from you, especially on a service-related inquiry, they become more satisfied and more loyal with that organization. And um, they actually then, when it comes to a point where they'll actually score you on satisfaction surveys, they, they feel more um, satisfied and loyal to the organization and will rate you higher. And I think if you know any of us went back and, and looked at any recent purchases, obviously, usually you're happy when you buy something because you had a need, you had a want, and you found a product or a service that fulfilled that, and usually you're in a happy place, assuming that your experience was, was a good one, of course. Um, but usually you feel very satisfied, so it only makes sense when you assess satisfaction on that customer. Not only were they happy that you, you solved their initial reason, you showed them something better that they didn't know that they needed, or you gave them some good value and they thought it was worthy enough to actually pull their wallet out and make a purchase. And usually that always drives to more loyalty and satisfaction. So um, absolutely it's proven this is a, a positive. And these are some of the concepts that we try to drive back into our organization when talking to our employee base. So it's not always that we're just trying to sell, sell. We get back to that core fundamental of it's the right thing to do for your customer. Right, right. Okay. Russ, what I hear you saying is what I hear you saying is you're really having to get it into their mind that actually sales is a service. Absolutely, yeah, it's, it's the right it's, service to do. That makes a difference, right? Absolutely, yeah, because if you realize, and if you never ask a customer that has, in our case, a life insurance policy, and say it's $10,000, but they really needed to have an outlay of 20000 for their beneficiaries to take care of whatever their final wishes were, and if we don't bring that up to them, then I think we're doing them a disservice. And I think our job is to make sure that if they bought a pro product from us, that it should be fulfilling what they need. So, again, we, we always drive that, that core message home. Great. 
Okay. No, perfect. Perfect. Well, you know, think about what you were mentioning, too, in terms of being able to measure all of these things and be able to coach to them. And, and all this needs uh, technology. Uh, could you talk to us a little bit about the impact of proper call center technology on providing all this strategic value? Yeah, and this is uh, this has been ever evolving for us. I mean, we had a strategy when we first started, and this has taken us four years, and we're still not where I think we would love to be, but we've made significant advancements um, during this time frame. And what we did at the onset of this program, now not all of our customers are eligible once they um, have bought a policy with us to be eligible for additional type of coverage or different type of add-ons um, depending on their unique situation. And we have a way in our technology to be able to recognize that if somebody is not eligible for an upgrade or an upsell, um, our system will trigger that. Therefore, the cases or when a customer is actually eligible for some type of an upsell opportunity, the agent's desktop will have a prompt that, that um, highlights for them and it advises the agent this person is eligible for a sales offer which happens about half the time on our on our calls. So right there, we've taken some of the guesswork out of an agent trying to understand, and sometimes on the fly, you know, is this person eligible or not? So the system prompt helps them to identify this one is now eligible for an opportunity. Then we um, have used our technology then to be able to um, decipher, um, this has been probably a couple years after we initially started our first pilot, that we changed the desktop configuration so instead of it where our agents had to search multiple screens to determine now you know, what are some of the additional options that this customer could have, we basically implemented what we call a desktop 360 where it brings a lot of the um, um, customer history up on the front of their screen. So now they don't have to toggle to two or three different screens to try to find different pieces of information. We brought it all up to the front screen. And now at a quick glance, they can identify where the customer may have some opportunities and now be able to start that dialogue with the customer. So I think that those two are really key from a technology piece. And, and then I, I mentioned uh, some reporting on the back end to make sure that we're looking at sales metrics that we have for our agents um, and as well as from the organization. You know, if we're, if we're going to uh, provide an upsell opportunity, you know, how do we track to make sure did that upsell happen? And did we track that sale as a result of our of our um, sales process to make sure that we have accurate you know reporting and and it can contribute it to our efforts? And that way, that's how you really measure whether this program drove this result or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the technology component is so important, and I would encourage our listeners to uh, to think about uh, really spending some time doing side by sides and uh, sort of tracking what is actually happening uh, on the screens of their agents, um, you know, how calls are being routed, how screens are being used, how, um, you know, if you have too many screens that have to be used, would it be a good idea to do an ROI analysis on how to consolidate some of these legacy systems into something that uh, mashes them together? Um, you know, what is it that you'd like to have at your fingertips in terms of information for coaching purposes uh, being able to listen to calls, all that uh, that really takes uh, technology. And um, if you can sort of say, what would be a best practice here? And uh, how could I get that through good technology? That would be a very valuable uh, thing for, for our listeners, I think, to do on a, on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, and, and I'm sure, Russ, that's been part of how you've done it, too, is to basically say, okay, what's being done and uh, how yep. could we do it better? Right, and like I said, you know, we started this journey a little over four years ago, and we had some, you know, enhancements on the technology. 
Um, but it's you know fast forward four years later, we're still um, adding new elements to the desktop to help in our sales process. And I think it'll be an ever-evolving process for us. Um, but yeah, it, it's never a one-time shot, and you learn as you go along because every program is different. Every program either has unique strategies or you may develop new strategies, and you may need your technology to help facilitate that as well. So yeah, it, it's, it's, it's ongoing, but I think that's exciting as well because that's, you know, you're, you're into new uncharted territories, and I think that's, that's kind of the exciting part of when you're developing new strategies. Yeah, no, journey towards excellence just keeps on going and going. And uh, it's one of the fun things about our industry is that uh, technology does keep getting better and more enabling for purposes of management, et cetera. So, okay, great. Well, let me ask you, what is the latest research on introducing sales into the contact center show uh, from your point of view? Yeah, you know, and I think I might have already talked a little bit about this before, but um, but when customers actually you know purchase a product or service from you, they um, feel good about the their purchase, or they wouldn't have made the purchase. It fit a need that they had, and it you know provide them another link into your organization where now they're more fully invested in your company because now they've made an additional purchase. It's like if you buy a car from Toyota and you buy a Camry and then you just love the Camry and now you'll go back to Toyota and you'll buy a different car from them and now you become more of a Toyota family or a Ford family and it's kind of the same concept with us as well and like I said we've seen it proven out in customer satisfaction data that when they buy a, buy a product or service from you they're apt to uh, be more loyal and rate you a much higher so you know we make sure that we leverage that into our environment and we're, we're seeing the similar results here and Bruce you know, over our 11-year uh, relationship together, you know, our, our customer experience results have not stayed stagnant. I think, you know, we've been able to demonstrate year-over-year year continual improvement, and, you know, we attribute that, you know, part of this is because of the sales approach as well. So sales can be a good thing in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. No, I've seen that progress. It's been really great to watch and to, you know, talk about and contribute to, and uh, I know there's going to be a lot more in the future as well. So, so uh, that's great. Well, these are these are great insights, and I noticed that uh, Brian has some questions for you. Uh, so I'll turn it over to Brian. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I sure do. Uh, this first one comes from Alex, and you've talked a lot already, uh, Russ, about uh, this is a little bit of a challenge, but uh, it's definitely rewarding for many different reasons. So uh, Alex's question is, what was the most challenging aspect in executing the shift in culture from the service to the sales? Uh, only one? <laughs> we had a lot of challenges. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll try to maybe uh, touch on a couple of them because we definitely had more than just one. But um, I think the, the first one was, you know, you have to effectively communicate with your staff the reasons for this uh, strategy. And it can't just be, hey, guess what? We're selling today to these customers. Um, it has to be, you have to share with them the vision. Um, the entire strategy of why it's important, why we think it's the right thing to do, why we think it's the right customer experience approach, and more importantly, you know, how our customers benefit if they have the right product that matches their needs. That's critical, and your frontline agents um, play a key role because they talk to customers all day long, and that's, that was probably the most critical is to get their buy-in. Um, the second, strategy, or second uh, I think, you know, challenge for us was um, to have the frontline managers bought in on this concept too um, because they're the ones that will influence the behaviors on their agents. And um, if you don't have the frontline managers fully fully buying in, understanding the concepts, and, and everybody marching to the same same beat, um, you will have troubles and you will have definite challenges. And uh, we recognize that that was a key piece. 
And I think uh, one more, I could probably name a more than this, but probably one more would be just the technology front. You know, if we had to execute all of this without any technology enhancements, you know, I think it would have been, the program would have been much more inconsistent in the way that our agents applied um, the strategy. I think our results would have been much lower than where they, where they are today. Um, the technology, even though it, it continually evolved over time, it really provided us that, that consistent uh, mindset where we knew the opportunities would be recognized on a consistent basis, and we had the type, right type of desktop to facilitate the conversation so we didn't um, you know, elongate handle times to a significant level because it made it very easy for them to recognize opportunities, and then we had the reporting on the back end. So I think those are probably the, the largest challenges that we had to overcome. Does that make sense? Okay. Absolutely. You know, can I, can I just ask too, with regard to uh, the supervisor level, because uh, supervisor level is, is one of my favorites. I just think it's so important and oftentimes overlooked in many centers. I know not in yours, but uh, can you just talk about your thoughts with regard to incentives for supervisor level people in this kind of a situation? Is it good idea, bad idea, what kind, et cetera, et cetera? Um, you know, I guess it depends on how large the uh, the the, the to get you how your strategy is encompassed. And let me explain um, our setup. So what we do, our customer service agents recognize these sales opportunities and what we call it, they do a basically a referral. They recognize if there's a need for this for this upsell opportunity, they talk to the, the member, make sure that they're on the same page, and then they'll actually transfer that call to a sales team. And the sales agents are the ones that, that go more into the needs assessment and they'll do more of the selling. They're the ones that will actually potentially close the sale. So from the customer service agents that are conducting these referrals, um, we really don't have – we haven't um, like recognition, which is a little bit of an incentive program for those agents to produce those referrals. But, again, that's pretty easy on their end just to make that part of their ending of their, uh, their, uh, their interactions. The sales team that actually does the selling, they have a much uh, more robust um, incentive program as well as the managers that oversee that program are also incented on that sales component. But they're not incented solely on sales. It's a combination of their sales results and it's a combination of their quality because we want to make sure that they're selling it according to the right strategy and the right process and they're not breaking all the rules to try to get a sale, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a balance of those two metrics, and that's where the incentives are placed in those, those groups that are focused in that area. Okay, great. Thank you. All right, Brian? Yeah, I got another question. Uh, this one comes in from James. Uh, kind of a follow-up to Alex's question just a, m a moment ago. We already talked about some of the challenges that uh, you've had to face, Russ, but if you had to cite two to three actions that you felt were critical to make this transition happen, what would those be? Um, I think uh, first of all it would be the, the the agent selection process. You have to have the right agents that are wired for this. We had to uh, refine our recruiting skills, and we have a, a hiring assessment tool that we use. We had to use it in a different format to really try to ferret out the right type of agents that can make this transition and actually sell and and welcome sometimes some you know pretty complex conversations, um, some heady conversations. And we, you know, had to look for people that, you know, had a little bit of a competitive spirit. I think that's healthy, and um, these guys are truly in a, in a core sales environment. Um, and I think the other one that is uh, very critical is the right training. So you can select the right people, but you have to show them what what is the right strategy, what is the right approach. And um, we brought in a, a training program that um, was right on point with, and it, and it reinforced our core values for the strategy. 
and that was critical for us, and that was new force in our organization. So I think those are probably the, the key ones I would say that are critical to move through the right people and the right training. Excellent. And uh, Deb actually had a question uh, related to the key elements in agent selection and training, but sounds like you pretty much answered that that well right there. So let me go to another one, and uh, this comes in from Carrie. Uh, Carrie asks, how do you measure the success of this sales program? Is it just numbers? Well, you know, it, well, it isn't. Um, and let me kind of explain what we looked for, because um, I'll take it, take it from the low level all the way up to the, the highest level of our uh, measurements. First, it, we decided that we needed to look at core sales metrics, not the regular call center metrics that we're all very accustomed to every day. Um, we identified what those core sales metrics looked like. And when I talked earlier about our makeup, our customer service agents are measured on the amount of referrals that they provide to our sales team. So that's where the customer service agents are held accountable for a metric. The sales agents then, we have a variety of metrics that they're held accountable to. When they handle that interaction, their job is to hopefully get a new kit or an application out the door to that member. So we measure how many kits are sent out, and these are all in relationship to the amount of sales opportunities. Um, we measure how many of those kits are actually returned in the door, because it's not all about getting a kit out the door to somebody. It's all about a quality kit going out the door to where a customer should have this kit, and it makes sense for their needs. So we look and see how many of them, uh, the return rate on those kits, and then we look at um, the paid rate. So how often, you know, how those how those kits that are returned to us, how quickly we're paid. All of those are indicators of having a, that quality conversation and sending out kits that make sense. It's not about getting kits out the door. So that's why we had to look at a variety of metrics um, and how we um, look at our agents. Um, when we look at it a little bit more um, higher level now, outside of the agent population, we look at it from our organization. And when we started this process four years ago for our, our inbound upsell program, we had this concept, we developed it, we piloted it, and we're very much a test and learn organization. So we're testing new ideas and strategies all the time. Um, but in this first uh, half a year when we tested this program, we actually were able to attribute about $250,000 of incremental revenue for this um, inbound service upsell program. So that was exciting that we had a concept and we were actually able to prove some results from that. So $250,000, not a significant amount, but it was a good amount for a test. Well, I fast forward now four years later, the same program is generating up to $7 million a year um, in, in incremental revenue. So it's now a, a pretty major pipeline. In addition to the inbound sales program, uh, we also have a program where we um, retain customers. So customers that are wanting to um, cancel their membership, we have a special queue that handles those and retain customers. And again, we started that off a few years ago as a pilot, and, and today we're retaining uh, up to $5 million a year through this core competency of uh, retaining customers. And then lastly, over the last year and a half, we've um, in, included an outbound sales campaign where we helped with customers that maybe haven't made a first payment or maybe we send kits to them and they haven't sent back um, a response to us. And uh, that um, program, we tested it last year on a very small scale. And this year we're accounting um, over $4 million in incremental revenue from this outbound. So when you add up those three programs, the, the service upsell, our retention, and our outbound, you know, we're looking at almost $17 million in annual revenue from those three programs that are driven solely by the contact center. So we went from, like I said, being a cost center to now you know, we represent a significant line item on our overall marketing budget from a revenue standpoint. And I think that's exciting because now we have 
Um, you know, we have a, a bigger seat at the table in terms of strategy in our organization, and we have data to show that, hey, you know, we're a major player in the contact center. So, so kind of beware because, you know, we're, we're here. I think that's uh, all those, all those, not as facetious when I say that, but it's, it's true. We, we have now really changed the dynamic of how our contact center is viewed, and now we have a, you know, a seat at the large table, and, you know, we're part of making decisions now and crafting new strategies because we talk to, you know, Two million, two million uh, customers on an annual basis, and um, you know, there's a lot of value to be gained from that. Mm-hmm. No, it's huge value. It's huge value, and uh, you know, you think about it, and uh, really, there has been so much progress made from going from being uh, seen as a cost center uh, to be uh, part of a stri- strategic value, revenue generating, loyalty generating uh, center for the whole enterprise. And uh, when you see that sort of thing happen, I think it's just just so, so important. And uh, in talking to you, what's come through is that, you know, it's not one thing that's done. It's basically, and after you've even done one thing, then you can find other ways to add to that strategic value and add to the uh, revenue stream. Well, this has been great. Uh, Russ, we've come to the bottom of the hour. We'd love to talk with you for another couple of hours, but unfortunately we can't. Uh, and really, really appreciate your being on the show with us. And, Dee, thank you very much for being with us as well. Thank you. Okay, great. Well, uh, Russ, you know, again, thanks very much. I'd like to turn it over to Brian now because, unfortunately, we'll have to uh, bring this to, to a close. But thanks very much for uh, sharing all of those insights and all of that information with, with our uh, audience. Well, it's okay, my pleasure, Brian, Bruce, and you guys have a great day. Thank you. Okay. Brian, over to you. All right. Yeah, thanks, everybody. I mean, Russ Rossi, Bruce Belfiore, and Dee Buell for the insightful discussion on the show today. Uh, really interesting going from service to sales. What a difference that must have made in uh, having, like you said, a different seat at the table, so to speak, for strategic planning. I bet that's got to feel very good. Well, I want to make sure that you join us next time, September 18th, 2013, when we'll talk about IMED's Voice of the Customer Program. And, of course, also want to remind you not to forget to sign up for a free reality check multi-channel benchmark report at our website at benchmarkportal.com and see how your contact center compares to others in the industry. So for today, and all of us from Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. I'm Brian Carrington signing out. Have a great day.